This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Welcome to CityCast Denver. I'm Bree Davies, and you're listening to Mayoral Madness, our effort to get to know all 17 candidates who want to be Denver's next mayor. Today, I'm speaking with Terrence Roberts. Terrence, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So Terrence, you've been campaigning for a while. I would love for you to tell me about a place, a new place or somewhere new that you've stopped at that you've maybe discovered in the city. Um, Happy Camper. We've kind of made that our kind of after campaign place to go. Okay. It's so diverse and it's just always some fun going on there. So uh, I really like Happy Camper. That's like a bar that has like a camper. Does it have a camper on the roof? It's like a big camper place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a, so it's like a, it's like kind of indoors, but yeah. even when you're outdoors, it, it's, it's really covered really good. So you're still insulated, you're encapsulated good, but it has like that camper feels kind of like plasticky, but it's like plants in there. Perfect it's pretty for Colorado big. weather, I like either, it. either or. Yeah. But yeah, that's one place I've really discovered to, and I've grown to like a lot. So Terrence, why do you want to be mayor? Well, it's not a fact of me just wanting to be mayor. I feel like we need to get someone in office that's going to see no matter what any candidate. And I've heard some of the interviews with some of the other candidates. It's not about what we're promising. The mayor's job is to present a budget to city council that city council has to approve that represents, of course, all demographics of Denver. But as we all know, the biggest demographic we need is really our housing and issues around our crime. And I feel like if I'm not in office, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of more of the same for probably the next 12 years, um, or it's going to be really hard to unseat an incoming mayor. So that's why I said, you know, I've been organizing and protesting and doing actions and events for for almost 20 years now. Say, so, hey, you know, we, we, we kind of moved past some of those moments in 2020. We got a lot done with protesting, but good luck getting 11,000 people downtown now to do something like Senate Bill 217. Now we need to control the budget, and that's why. Why do you think you would be a good mayor? For one, none of us has been mayor before who's running. <laughs> right. So, it, it, and I know the question is why am I, would I be a good mayor, not the best mayor? But I know I will be a good mayor because even what I just said to you, let's just talk about our general fund is almost $1.5 billion. Like I said, the mayor's job is to present a budget that represents our city, represents what the city is asking for, work with city council, make appointments, key appointments. I think we need to add more democracy to our city. I think we need only two-term mayors. And that's why I will make a good mayor, because it's not just about me just being mayor and having this power for 12 years. I should think we need to limit the powers in the terms of the mayor. That's This is what organizers are asking for. This, this is what the city needs to move Denver forward in the best way. And I, I'm cognitive of that. I'm publicly saying this. And that's why I know I will be a great mayor. You've mentioned the budget a couple times. Uh, what is something that you would change about how we allocate our dollars here in the city? 
Well, for one, we would allocate more than 2% of our housing budget that is within our public safety portion, which was 39% of our general fund last year, $566 million. I would definitely make sure that we have more money put into housing. I just, I just met with the Homeless Leadership Council the other day. They're saying that they're contacting the city saying we don't have enough resources. And the city saying, well, find the money within the money we've given you. And I, and I heard candidates talk about Prop 123. I'm pretty sure you're going to ask me about all those things. I'm talking about solutions minus sales tax <laughs> dollars from Prop 123. I'm talking about solutions that we can do immediately. So, so you would take money out of another part of the budget to put it in towards something like housing. Yeah. Now, as far as me saying, I'm going to shut down this department to, to put it into housing that I'm I'm not going to say here, you know, on the podcast, because I know a lot of people are listening and I don't want to say things that I have not researched fully or that I don't understand. But yes, we will have a more robust housing budget that is going to reflect more than two percent of our housing that and this is just from our public safety portion. Um, and, and we have to now. Will I say that it's coming from. I'm not going to say that it's coming from the libraries or this department because it's not, but we can find the money. I'm also saying we can install a public banking system in the city of Denver. These are things that larger cities are doing. These are sensible things that we, that will help add to our infrastructure and help pay for more um, housing, more retrofitted housing, not just tough sheds like some candidates were saying they can end homelessness in, in a matter of years in my first term. No, not, not those types of things. I'm talking about sensible solutions that will add more money to our infrastructure, making Denver a 24-hour city. That right there will make Denver more of a tourist attraction. It will add more sales tax dollars. These are dollars that we can use outside of HUD money, Prop 123, that we can start using these dollars to uh, to work on after-school program initiatives, retrofitting housing. Yes, building new public housing. I, I'm I'm for public housing. I'm not I'm not against affordable housing. <laughs> Just I'm kind of tired of hearing about it right now. You're tired of hearing about affordable housing outside of the public. So you would be more interested in putting money towards like DHA or like public housing versus private development of affordable housing? Well, definitely. I mean, so we do have some examples like shout out to the Montbello community, Fresh Low. They have a collaborative where they, are, they did their own affordable housing and it's owned by nonprofits and community members. I'm not against affordable housing, like I said, but so let's just look at it this way. Most affordable housing is owned by developers. It's okay to say we need more public housing and, and no, not, not tough sheds. That's just not what homeless people are asking for. In Denver, we, it, it, and if we have a mayor that structures the budget properly to address housing more than 2% of our public safety portion, if we have a forward thinking mayor that says, let's, let's install a public banking system which could eventually add tens of millions of dollars into our infrastructure. Uh, let's make Denver a 24-hour city. Studies have shown 24-hour cities make it safer for our unhoused neighbors, makes it safer for law enforcement, and it can bring more sales tax. And we do have Prop 123 as well. That This is just a caveat. Like, And we do have other dollars that are coming for affordable housing. But affordable housing is owned by developers. So, Terrence, I I want to talk about you. Well, you've been very open about your life mm -hmm. here in Denver, growing up in gangs. I mean, there's a movie in theaters right now that folks can watch about your experience. And I just wonder what you would say to a voter who's concerned that maybe your gang past could follow you into the mayor's office. I mean, so I joined the gang when I was 14 years old. It it just so happened to have this title, but there are other types of negative peer groups. Sure. A football team could be a negative peer group that bullies people, hurts people, but no one's going to say, well, you were part of a negative peer group in a football team, so-and-so. <laughs> now you're running for city council. 
So it is something that kind of stays. And this is something I talk to youth about. One reason why you don't want to join the gang, because if you ever want to reclaim your life, no matter where you go, you're going to have to explain a decision you made when you were 14, 15, 16, even when you're 46, which I am. But yes, I did make that decision when I was a kid. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm from a community that's a food desert. It's a lot of poverty. It was part of culture. NWA came out. I'm, I'm 46. So when we when we started listening to music like NWA and Ice T and, and and Too Short and all these things and this 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 movement of gang violence came from the West Coast coming to Denver. Now it's in it's in Haiti. It's in Jamaica. It's in New York City. It's all over the world. But it wasn't all over the world when it came to Denver. And we already had like these community riffs where even my mom and my aunties and my grandmothers in Park Hill had different kind of riffs with, with African-Americans from the Five Points or from Montbello or Aurora. So, you know, Park Hill was kind of like this insulated community. It was kind of like a tribal thing. And so it was kind of like wh whatever people in the community were about, if you were not going to the NBA, for sure, if you were not going to NFL, for sure. And if other communities were fighting us, and it was a lot of fights, and it was a, a crack cocaine came, it was a violent time in the city of Denver. You were expected to to help and go gather bottles, <laughs> deal with it, help deal us, it. help the community. So it wasn't just like, oh, I just wanted to join the gang to to rob little old ladies. I've never robbed a little old lady or anything like that. Um, that wasn't why a lot of that's wasn't why I joined the gang. That's not why most youth join the gang. Most youth in gangs, law enforcement would tell you, studies would tell you, experts would tell you, are not violent people. But it is that that small percentage of people in the gang that are violent, and then the gang provides the vehicle for the violence to be carried out, covered up, resourced. Yada, yada. But it's it's very small percentage. And I got involved with youth violence. I've been a victim of shootings. I was involved with fights, shootings, all those things as a as a teen. Um, but yes, I and I pulled myself away saying, man, I really want to represent Park Hill in greater Denver and my community, my family, my name, my all people who are downtrodden in, in a much better way. I just I really fell in love with um, community activism. Um, uh, for a time, maybe almost obsessed when I was locked up, just reading all these books about all these revolutionaries, it just blew my mind. And, I, and and that's how I felt when I was just a child listening to gangster rap from grown men feeding me as a young teen gangster rap. Now I'm a grown man in prison reading about these people. And I really just wanted to, I, I still feel the same way. That's part of why I'm running for mayor. I, it almost feels like to me, how would you feel then, someone could say maybe that experience that you had being someone who's been incarcerated informs things that other candidates would have no idea what it's like. Yeah. Right. So maybe that speaks to a different voting block. I mean, not only does it speak to a different voting block, but you'd be surprised how many people who've never been incarcerated or never been involved with gangs, they support. Because I've also been removed from the gangs for a long time now. You know, this is it, it was a huge part of my life as a teenager and in my early teens. But when I left the gangs, I was incarcerated. I organized even in prison. Then I, since I've been home from prison, 2004, I hit the ground running, started Prodigal Son. I mean, I've raised millions of dollars in community development. I've won international awards. I don't even like to talk about all these things that I've done because it was just sound cliche. And it, and it doesn't matter. Really, what matters is what I'm saying is when I am the mayor, I'm going to present a budget to city council because that's the mayor's job. Everything else is politicking from your favorite politician. And there's a lot of favorite politicians involved, but um, I, I do speak to not only that demographic and a lot of people involved with criminal justice are rooting for me to win this election. Me becoming the mayor of Denver, me making the runoff would be huge for criminal justice. I am a felon. I've been incarcerated. 
I was a victim of a shooting in a summer of violence. I was shot again after that. I, I, I am the school to prison pipeline. You and have I, that experience. You know I what it's like it. to be a person. And not because yeah. I'm tough or smarter or anything. I survived it because I'm really lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky that certain bullet didn't kill me. I'm lucky those certain guys in prison didn't pummel me. I'm lucky that that car didn't hit my side of the car and kill me when we were teens drinking because we didn't have an after school program. And guess what? Your son or your daughter, they're lucky too, if you're listening to this, if they're out there involved with that because there's nothing. Where are the youth centers in Denver? Where are they? This leads right into my next question, which is also based on your experience as a community organizer. Um, last week, an East High School student died from a fatal shooting right outside of school. And thousands of students walked out and marched to the Capitol calling for more protections from gun violence. And gun violence is something that you you have mentioned you've dealt with head on. As mayor, how do you address the issue of youth gun violence? I mean, I think it, the root cause of any kind of violence, which leads to gun violence, is is poverty. And I think that one, and we've lowered violence in Denver. We've done it in it's been done in Los Angeles. And the guys who did it in L.A. taught me how to do it in Denver, and it worked. It's really making we have to target where the violence is coming from. So if, most of our gun violence is youth related. It, it, it's not racist. <laughs> if we were somewhere else, we'd say. Uh, we have 56 shootings last year, and it's because these racist people shot these people or these men are shooting these women or whatever. But in Denver, a lot of our shootings happen to be youth and gang violence related. So that's where we start. That's for one. OK, now for two, when we target the violence, we know where it comes from. How do we divert people from not wanting to do that? Because you can't pummel them. You can't beat anyone down who's not yet committed a crime. The police get involved after they kill someone on the five points or after that youth is paralyzed in park hill then someone says jimmy did it now the police are going to get justice and they're everywhere and there's increased patrols we have to make sure that kids don't want to be in the gang we have to make sure that kids don't think it's cool to listen to their favorite gangster rapper from chicago now he's dead he put out a diss track and they're riding around stealing cars we have a huge car theft issue in denver a lot of it is because of our housing a lot of it is some of it's because of gangs. I think most of it is housing related. That's a different topic. But we have to make sure kids don't feel like they want to commit murders. We have to make sure husbands don't feel like they have to hit their wives to, because they can't pay the Excel bill. There's there's a food injustice. They can't pay their rent. We have to make sure that people don't want to commit crimes because in neighborhoods where people don't need to commit crimes, it's very odd for people to to ride around with booming systems, shooting people. You don't hear about these things in Cherry Hills because they don't need to commit crimes. They have the resources they need. So that's how we make sure that our children are not committing the bulk of our shootings in this particular city of Denver is make sure that kids have something better to do. So beyond the root causes, like you're saying, dealing with the root causes that maybe get kids into these situations, I'm wondering about guns specifically. Like the kids that marched were calling for gun reform. Is there anything that you would do as mayor of Denver to change our relationship with guns? Yeah, I mean, so one thing people need to understand, uh, gun laws are federal laws and state laws, okay? We we have people 3D printing guns. So I, definitely I support what the kids are doing. Why would I not support that? Uh, people having assault weapons who shouldn't have them. Uh, uh, why would I advocate for that? We have red flag laws that are not being followed. I do think that only focusing on gun laws, it, we were folk talking about gun laws with Obama. 
We, we talked about gun laws with H.W. Bush, H. George Bush Sr. There's been gun laws, especially for people of color, since the inception of guns in America. I think the focus should be not only on supporting youth who are experiencing the bulk of the violence, listening to them. So I do support them. And I'm going to also add what I just said. We have to make sure that kids don't feel like they have to use guns in the first place because we can put a bunch of gun laws in place all we want. But if a kid has a 3D printed Glock 19, is a gun law going to help that? Or do we need to make sure that he sees that gun and says, I'm definitely not going to use that. Matter of fact, I'm on my way to my to my editing class so I can so I can go work with CityCast. And that's what's going to that's what's going to lower violence because the guns will be there. So not only do we need we need to make sure we stay on gun legislation, but it's not for a lack of gun legislation that shootings are happening. It it is it is poverty, anger, depression, mental health issues and some loopholes in guns. So we need both. All of those things will move the needle. And I support everything that moves the needle against gun violence. So right now, state lawmakers are actually looking at a proposed assault weapons ban. Would you support that? Would you back them? Of course. If I am concerned with people who already have assault weapons. <laughs> yeah. I do believe in the Second Amendment because I'm, I'm worried about the police and tyranny, which is what it is for. But am I in support of people ban- them banning assault rifles for just any old person just because they want to show it off on Instagram? Yes, because it's stupid. Because guess what? That's the assault rifle that's being used to kill s- some African-American kids or some working class white kids, too, or or some Latino kid on South Federal. Right. So, of course, I, I don't want to see any gun. It's not just about assault rifles. That's sometimes I think we get caught up in the political talk of being progressive and what's going to end. We've been talking about assault rifles since I was a gang member. I've been shot twice. Neither time was with an assault rifle, but I almost died once. I was in the hospital for two weeks. I had physical therapy at Craig Medical Center. I have a disability. I have a, a silent disability that people don't see. It hurts me sometimes, right? Like, so not only do I support people who don't need assault rifles not having them, but we need to talk about the entire conversation. Most homicides in Denver are not being committed by assault rifles. So it's a pertinent conversation, but it's also a side piece conversation that's really not going to do we want to move the needle or do we want to talk progressive politics? Well, Terrence, thank you for sharing that personal experience. I don't think a lot of folks have any idea what that's like. You're a Park Hill guy. Uh, The Park Hill golf course is going to be on the ballot alongside this mayor's race. And the developers need approval to build this or their plan is to have housing and parkland. And the community has been really divided on this for a long time. Um, And now the city really is divided on it. You're from this neighborhood. Where do you stand on the Park Hill golf course conversation? Um, Since day one, I have been a definite no on (laughs) 2.0. Before it was called 2.0, I was a no. (laughs) Before (laughs) it had a name. (laughs) And this is why. Because I am from that community. During rush hour, you can't even hardly drive some days from Colfax to I-70 going north on Colorado Boulevard. Have they even done a traffic study? It was already an easement. The city's already paid $2 million in taxpayers' dollars. If that's for a reason. Do I want it to only just be a golf course? No. And they're using deceptive languaging to say it can only just be a dried-up golf course. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, I, why would we want to add more unattainable affordable housing to an area that we're saying is heavily gentrified? It's not going to 
I know that com- I've dealt with community benefits agreements. I, I spearheaded the development in the Holly. Community benefits agreements look good right before the vote. And as soon as they bust ground, we have to get this finished. <laughs> so uh, go get your bullhorn, do whatever you want. But if you come over here, we're calling the Denver police. We're taking you out of here. Even if we're not going by the community benefits agreement, you could just sue us later. But we're going to do it this way. Uh, I, I don't appreciate how West West Side developers pay twenty four million dollars for a plot of land that they knew had an easement. So that to me speaks to them already knowing that there is a form of corruption that is embedded in our city that they can do this. Not against affordable housing. I, I just think we need more public housing, social housing. Then someone can get counseling for sexual abuse, for fentanyl abuse. They're lucky they haven't died yet using fentanyl. They're just a day away from 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 violence, gang violence. Many ex-gang members are living on the streets. Women, you can't get counseling unless you have somewhere to go lay your head to sleep for at least six hours of sleep. Science says eight hours of sleep. Then you can start again on Tuesday. Then you could say, I haven't drunk in a beer for 12 days, for 29 days. It's been six years since I've drunk in a beer. Now I'm running for office. Now I'm a journalist. Now I just work at Starbucks. It's okay to work at Starbucks. But we need more public housing. No one is moving from chronic homelessness into affordable housing owned by West Side investors. So why? How is that going to benefit Northeast Park Hill? It's not. So, no, I do not support it. I'm no on 2.0. I'm sorry for my drawn out answer, but I am passionate about it because it's development that it's displacing black people. It's not one little Starbucks that's displacing black people. It's massive development that's not needed. And I don't think it's a needed development, especially when we have another development and no one's talking about at 38th and Holly. No one's mentioned that. None of these candidates. I've listened to a lot of these city cast interviews. I'm running against these people. Not one person has mentioned. You also know there's a development going up at 38th and Holly. They're not. It's encapsulating that community. It's going to further add gentrification to Northeast Park Hill, which is still 30 percent African-American. You don't see that even in L.A. anymore. That that's that is huge. It went from almost 100 percent. Now, 30 percent is a lot of black people and we won't have that anymore. So, no, I'm against it. Okay, I have a question from a listener. Uh, Kimberly H. writes, quote, I would like to know if you're elected mayor, would you appoint any one of the other candidates to your cabinet? Who would that be and why? So, yes, I would. Actually, um, I've grown to like a lot of the candidates. Um, some I'm a little disappointed in, but we're all nice to each other. Okay. I'm just disappointed in hearing what I'm hearing. Like, really, you would do that to people? So, um, definitely, I really like Jim Walsh. I really like him. You know, if he wanted to, like, you know, because... The mayor's office does not run DPS. They have their own billion-dollar budget. They have their own elected officials. But um, whatever connections that the city does have with education liaison, I really like for someone like Jim Walsh to be in that position. I really like Ian Tafoya, man, his his passion for environmentalism, his knowledge. I've been working on a lot of youth violence stuff and more behind the scenes with environmental justice. But someone like him, he's been more on the forefronts. So I would like to see him. He's a young guy, man. Like He's like 36. He reminds me of myself. When I was 10 years ago doing youth violence prevention work, so someone like Ian Tafoya, um, let me see, there's a few other candidates, you know. Uh, I mean, Leslie, she'll be fine. She'll, 
She'll run for something. She'll be a rock star. Yeah. I, I've, I've, we've, I've dealt with Mike. I don't like what I'm hearing from Mike. We've been office mates before. That's but a different you, conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, Jim, but those guys, if you notice the guys who I'm picking. Jim Walsh, uh, you, you know, that type of spirit. Pretty radical uh, thinkers. Yeah. Um, me and Lisa don't get along very well. <laughs> but I, I need, if she sure. would be willing to respect me as mayor and really work around criminal justice and reentry issues for the city She'd and, and know that I'm the mayor that. and this is the vision, I would definitely, um, I wouldn't leave Lisa out. I just don't know how she would deal with me. Sure. You know, she's kind of in her own way, she's really strong willed in some ways. And I, I, and I'll say that respectfully, but, yeah. um, but I would, I would appoint Lisa. I wouldn't leave Lisa out because she's, she's also an advocate and she's saying the yes. things now she is saying the things that we're saying, which which is great. Um, I mean, people come around, we're all learning, but yeah, I, Hey, that sounds like a very interesting and, and great cabinet to me. Maybe some more, but okay. Andy, no, Andy, Andy distanced <laughs> on stage said he would not hire any of us. So I would not <laughs> hire. And I, and I'd love Andy. And I, you know, I shake his hand every time I see him, you know, but um, no, Andy would not get a job with me. Thomas Wolf, great guys, tall guy, but no, no Thomas Wolf. <laughs> no, Trinidad. Oh man, Trini's been making me disappointed. I might hire Trini. I don't know about Trini, but I might. He's I got might good say, experience with all can kinds you, of. Can you work this department? I might put Trini somewhere. But. <laughs> well, you got a, You got a. You got a good fictional cabinet going yeah. there. Um, okay. It might be a real cabinet. It, There's a good chance. This is true. This yeah. is true. We never know. Yeah. Uh, what happens in April. But I want to say this. I do like everybody who's running. Like, even if we have our differences of opinion, uh, none of these people are running because they're slouches. Like, yeah. they're all, you know, really passionate about different keys. And it's almost been like a comedy. Somebody should have did a documentary. on this Because <laughs> just to see so many different personalities and what yeah. people are saying, it's almost comical sometimes. Sometimes I want to laugh and I just got to hold my composure on stage because <laughs> people are filming. But I'm having a good time as much as I'm working hard. That's great. Well, I have a couple of questions that we pull from that we ask every candidate. We've had the same mayor, Michael Hancock, for 12 years. And while many people are ready for a change, many others reelected him twice. So I wonder, Terrence, is there something that Mayor Hancock got really right and something that he got really wrong? So um, I, I want to say this. I was actually one of the first people of color, African-Americans to call out Hancock. And I will say in my own way, I've suffered some because very powerful people supporting him. And at that time, I was just a loudmouth activist. Then I ended up having my self-defense issue. So I was like, shut up, Terrence. This guy's the mayor. You're headed to jail. <laughs> but now there are thousands of people who are saying, no, Terrence had it right. Because I have been saying since he instituted the urban camping ban, a lot of people, no one's saying this, even on this platform, the urban camping ban it, it was not enacted initially for homeless people. It really came from, unless people are gleaning off of me teaching them this, it came from Occupy Wall Street, which extended to Occupy Denver. Then they used it for that. Then it became an issue after him and Albus Brooks instituted it because they wanted to do the development on the Welton Street corridor, which was almost the name of the five points. It was getting changed. Like the north side is now Highlands. The five points was strategically becoming the Welton Street corridor till we fought for it. Okay. So what Michael Hancock did right was he, he, he seen that there was a lane, young, handsome, intelligent, African-American. It just is a progressive city. He, he was a city council person. He knew he had the backing of very powerful, progressive, democratic people. And, and he's a smart guy. Like, even if I disagree with him in municipal matters, obviously he's not stupid. He, he's been mayor for 12 years and he's getting and he's and he's leaving office 
and he still looks healthy. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, he looks good for, to, for for all the stress that I I know I put him through a lot of stress, and I'm proud of it. But can I ask you what you called him out on first when you said you were sort of the first person to call was him the out? Urban Camping Band? Okay, it was. So you were and the development on the five points, the okay. way it was done with the eminent domain, which will now be the same eminent domain I will use for housing. But now that's an, also another topic. But so yeah, so I called him out about how they did the development on the five points, instituting the eminent domain, him and Albus Brooks, and in in instituting the urban camping ban without anywhere for homeless people to go. Um, now we have a safe camp um, initiative. Now we have people like Mike Johnston talking about tiny villages. We could have been past safe encampments, which we're going to have them when I'm in office. The focus should have been a housing first model. And if we did that 10 years ago, not with this wait till my third term politics, we would have had these things already in place. We're still putting homeless people in Denver Mart. We're still putting uh, for emergency shelter in the in the web building. After 12 years in office, if you still need to use the atrium of the web building for emergency, when really, even if it's a safe facility that that the city has acquired, they're acquiring space for highway expansions to do the Great Western Forum, which is a legacy, was would have been a legacy project had we not voted against it. So you're pushing people out for legacy projects for entertainment. Oh, the National Western Center. Yes. You're talking about in Globeville. Okay. But we can't do the same thing for emergency housing. We have to use the atrium of the web building. It doesn't make sense. So is, is Hancock intelligent? Did he see an opportunity? Did he seize on it? Yes. Um, no one ran against him for his second term. Why? Because it's too hard to unseat an incumbent mayor in the way our municipal system is and our Denver city charter is structure in a way to where the mayor makes all of the appointments he has they have three terms i'm saying we need two-term mayors the science behind a three-term mayor like hancock he is a perfect case study for how he's now doing all of these progressive things around housing which were not being done years ago versus the science of a two-term mayor saying if i want to get reelected for my second term i need to hit the ground running and start fulfilling promises that i made while I was campaigning, because I'm actually going to be campaigning again in the next couple of years. So you think that folks could get more done in this office if they had less time to do it because it's that incumbent middle four ter- like four year term where people just vote for the same guy. If I elected mayor, I'm Terrence Roberts, mayor of Denver, but I have to get reelected not once but twice. I'm getting laughed out of town on CityCast. <laughs> I'm getting laughed out of town on Westward. <laughs> Oh, Mayor Roberts, he's a bum. He couldn't even get reelected. <laughs> Michael Hancock got reelected. Uh, of course, I'm going to say, man, just I'm going to do those things. Just wait till my third term because that's just science. It's politics. And we don't have time to wait for someone's third term. We you have get to get it do, done now. The governor has two terms. Good the point. president has two terms. Our budget now, it, it, a lot of people are saying the most powerful position in Colorado was the mayor's office. So if if someone is as great as Polis has, and I like Jerry, we don't always agree on everything, but most things we do, even if I disagree with Jerry, I like Jerry, right? If he only has two terms, then why should the mayor have three terms if that's the most powerful position in the state of Colorado? It's not it's not making sense. We should uh, our sheriff's position should be an elected position. The chief of police should be an elected position. The city attorney who keeps the mayor in check is appointed by the mayor and I think makes more money than the mayor who appoints them. That should be an elected position or city council should have more say. 
just like the city council members have to appoint have to approve the budget for key positions like that that have department members that have thousands of people like policing city council should also have some say in the approval process even when i'm the mayor that would help me be a better mayor, actually, and anyone but behind me. It would have helped Hancock be a better mayor. Well, his time is up. So, <laughs> um, so Terrence, this campaign has gotten ugly at times. There's been a lot of focus on negativity around Denver, like Denver's not a great place. And I would love to hear you talk about the good stuff. I mean, you grew up here. What gives you hope about Denver right now? Because Denver is a great place, though. Are there some mismanagement issues? Yes. Is downtown Skid Row in L.A.? It's definitely not. Can it become that? It definitely can. I've been to L.A. when they had eight to 10,000 people in downtown. Kind of like it looked kind of like Denver. And I was just in Skid Row uh, about six weeks ago walking through there with my backpack on saying, man, wow, we have issues in Denver. But this is this is a city. Like we can do better in Denver. Denver's man. It, it, if you're in the know, if you research it, man, every night there's something positive you could do in Denver. There's so many community organizers. I've been to cities where there's really no community organizing. There's really nothing going on, and it's just not a not a cool place, right? It just feels like hopelessness. Just this energy in cities like that. But Denver has this energy to where you could be what you want to be if you apply yourself. You go do something every night. There's so many different, like I just said, Happy Camper, uh, Koufax, Broadway. I, I can go on and on and on. But we do have some mismanagement issues. We do have some violence issues. But these are issues that I feel I'm very optimistic with the right mayor in office presenting the proper budget, being forward thinking, making Denver a 24-hour city, adding more sales tax initiatives, adding a public banking system. These types of initiatives will add more democracy to our city and it help move our city forward. And it will complete Denver really being the world-class city that we can be. We kind of are. But in some ways, we're lacking, but we're primed we're up for that. We're, okay. we're, we're right there. We just need the right mayor in office who has that type of power and budgeting potential to set that energy and that tone to make sure that we really focus on what are voters saying. They're worried about unhoused issues. We didn't talk about rent controls. Rent controls. Would you we, support rent control I in Denver? Definitely support rent controls. Uh, all, all this talk that rent control has not worked. It has not worked for whom? <laughs> Good question. Not worked is a relative term. Rent controls actually has worked in several municipalities. And also uh, landlords would be okay. I'm not saying we're going to destroy landlords. Just let people just, just come into your, your house. And if they're in there for 48 hours, they own your house. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you just, whatever is, 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 National best practices around rate control to make sure it's best for everybody, but definitely for people who are experiencing issues with with, with being able to pay their rent with food insecurities. We're not going to lower homicides or domestic violence, Denver, if we don't focus on rent controls, food insecurities, um, fuel insecurities and poverty that, that the precursor to all violence is poverty and Denver is experiencing a rising amount of it because of housing costs. So this is kind of a fun question but I bet you know a lot of Denver famous people and as mayor you get special privileges you could probably have lunch with anybody who's Denver famous. What local celebrity would you most like to share a meal with? Ah oh, man, probably Jake Jabs. <laughs> <laughs> 
owner and proprietor animal. of my American Furniture Warehouse. Yes, actually, my grandfather knew Jake Japs. That's like a Denver. That's like a Terrence secret. Um, <laughs> when my, but my grandfather passed when I was three years old, so that's many over forty years ago. Um, but then he became really famous. He got all these animals and all these different things, and I never revisited that. But I would love to just get some wisdom from from, from Jake Jabs. From Jake Jabs. Uh, whatever happened to um, Rocky? Uh, what's the guy's name from Rocky? Man, uh, you know the the guy the from Rocky Otto's. Oh, Rocky Otto's the Shag Man. Actually, yeah, we've had him on the show before. Ron V. Oh, where's Ron? Yeah, maybe I can Shaggy. Connect you if you Shaggy's want to have a cool, lunch with, yeah. with Shag Man. <laughs> Shag Man's a cool, a cool first or second too. But I need some Jake Jabs wisdom right now, and okay. I need a coffee table too. So maybe I can uh, <laughs> get a deal. But I need wisdom in a coffee table and a and a contribution. Well, $500. I have one last question. I I would love for you to leave our listeners with your vision for Denver. Like I want to hear what, what do you see as the next era of Denver to you? So this is the city that I know Denver can be because we are so progressive and, and the hate is really not here. The, the, The willingness to, for this is here. I know it's here. I'm from here. We should be a 24-hour city. If the cast of city cast, if you guys were like, you know what? It's been a 24-hour city a few years. This restaurant's open. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. Just bars open. There's hundreds of people. And it's 3 in the morning. If you have, if you want to do that, you should be able to and be safe. Can you bring back all the late night diners, Terrence? Because that's what I'm missing. That's what we need to do. We need to add a public banking system to the city of Denver. Not having a debit card nowadays for even our unhoused neighbors. It's almost like being illiterate. Financial exchanges are that those things are changing. We can do better in the city of Denver with with sensible management, not the political promises. Not if you notice, we talked about housing this whole hour. We didn't even bring up Prop One Twenty Three. Uh, that's that just a caveat. Is the was that the, the affordable housing affordable housing fund? Yes, creation of Great. the affordable housing fund. That's just a caveat on top. That's political money. I'm saying there are sensible things that will add that other cities are doing that can add tens of millions of dollars to our general fund and to our infrastructure, make Denver a safer city, make Denver a better place to be. That energy alone, we, we need to bring, have more of an arts focus in Denver. I think some people, when you bring up the arts, they're like, oh, it's just coloring. No, <laughs> adding murals to our city, which we have been doing. You don't know what that could do for the mental health of an area. I've done it in Northeast Park Hill. You don't know what adding bright colors, imagery of culture, someone's culture, indigenous culture, Irish culture, African-American women on walls. You don't know what that could do for a child, a a potential gang member. Those types of things, those types of, we, we need to bring the film industry to Denver, the music industry. These things add jobs. It can help podcasts like CityCast. We need to bring more of that media industry to Denver. These types of things can make Denver more of a forward-thinking, world-class city. And like I, and I'm definitely saying, we need more public social housing. Then people can transition into attainable, low-income housing. Then they can transition into what everyone's talking about, everyone's favorite buzzword: affordable housing. But our buzzword for affordable housing is affordable for who? If someone's chronically homeless, they're not, and they don't have a debit card, they're not walking into Westside Investors' new condos or apartments in Northeast Park Hill with a wad of cash, and they haven't taken a shower, and they haven't had counseling services saying, give me one of those affordable houses. I've begged for $5,500 in cash. Here's my 10 can of cash. No, they need to get counseling services. They need public housing. Uh, Then they can move into attainable housing, and then- 
if they get this development, they can say, now I'm ready for affordable housing. That is the Denver I know we could be. That is the Denver we should be. That is the Denver we should already be, but that's the Denver we will be when I am the mayor of Denver. We're moving past, yes, we can. We know we can. It's time for, yes, we will. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about your campaign? Terrence Roberts for mayor. Dot com, SaveOurCityDenver.com. Both of those hit, take you to the same website. Uh, but, man, check out my website. You, uh, my email is Terrence at TerrenceRobertsForMayor.com. So they can email me. Uh, I'm getting hundreds of emails. Please don't be mad if I don't email you right back. <laughs> but I promise I need I need two personal assistants. <laughs> but I will answer you. Um, but just check out our website, TerrenceRobertsForMayor.com. Terrence Roberts, thank you so much for joining Thanks me. Thanks for having me. I love CityCast. It's the best podcast in the city. <laughs> Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mayoral Madness. What we hope is a 17-part interview series with all the candidates on the ballot to be Denver's next mayor. We're planning to publish these interviews each week leading up to Election Day on April 4th, and we'll be providing more news and analysis during the week. Subscribe to CityCast Denver and learn more about Mayoral Madness at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back soon with even more mayoral candidates who want to lead the city.